0: Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Friday, December six, two 2019. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast where we sometimes discuss camel and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. Norlander, what's up on this Friday morning?
1: Uh, Parish, uh, I got a dead deer in my front yard right now. <laughs> <laughs> I woke up inside of a David Lynch movie. So my... <laughs> I'm freaked out. I'm I'm happy I'm here with you because it's comfortable, it's cozy. But I wake up. My wife brings our four-year-old, pulls out of the driveway to take him to pre-K. She calls me, goes, "We've got a dead deer in our front yard right now." And I go, "I don't. There's no deer. I don't see it. It's tucked behind a bush from my vantage point." So I walk to another side of the house where I can look, and sure enough, it's like, it's like. 30 feet from the road i live off of a relatively busy road i'm not like off on a you know in a, in a cul-de-sac in a neighborhood so we have there's consistent traffic in front of our house and this doesn't look like a situation where we had a deer hit by a car and it just you know wound up on the sidewalk or 10 or 10 or 12 feet from the road this this puppy is like 12 15 yards deep into our yard and i'm freaked the hell out right now i'm freaked right now perished i call get this get this So I my wife goes you got to call animal control because we actually live near elementary middle school and high school like when our kids get older they're gonna be they're gonna be able to walk to school I can hit the high school with a driver from where I live and so she says you got to call animal control so I call I call animal control and I've never dealt with this before and uh, they go okay um, so is the is the deer on your yard and i said yeah yeah it's it's just, they're like it's not on the road i was like no no it's like 25 30 feet into the road i don't know if it just thought this is where it, it, it's like okay this is where i'm going to die this is where i want to die right here and the woman goes well we don't take we don't take deer off of people's property we don't even deal with deer that's highway control oh and i said God. i said okay <laughs> and she said yeah you're going to want to call highway control But highway control won't go on people's property to remove animals. They'll only take it if it's on the side of the road. And I said, hold up. So you're telling me right now that I've got to go pull what I presume is a 250-pound animal 25 feet from my yard to the side of the road for highway control to take it? And she said, yeah, that's, 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 that's usually what happens in instances like this. And I'm thinking, instances like this? How often do you have a dead deer in someone's yard? And you're asking these – now, I understand it's my property. I'm terrified right now. I'm going to take a Could picture. You,
0: would you w- – how comfortable would you be? Let's pr- let's, for the sake of the conversation, it's, it's not so heavy that you can't move it. You're capable of doing it.
1: I have no idea. If Can ca-
0: you do it? I don't know. Can you? Do- uh, have you ever pulled a deer in your life? Oh, have you ever,
1: have you ever done (laughs) where we sometimes talk camel fighting, leaky black and dead deer?
0: I asked if I've ever pulled a deer.
1: (laughs) You live in in Mississippi. You live in Mississippi. These things might
0: happen. This is very, your story is very much a Mississippi story. I live in Mississippi. I, uh, my wife hit a deer not too long ago. We were in a, uh, a courtesy car from a car dealership that was a advertiser on the radio show. And so it wasn't even my car. My wife driving a, a car dealership's car hit a deer, and so we called. You know, It was it was lying on the road. It wasn't completely dead, but it was like it, it wasn't going to survive, but it wasn't dead yet. And so we call the, whoever you got to call, and uh, they come out, and they're like, uh, so what happened? And she's like, I was driving, and a deer ran out, and I hit the deer. And they said, okay, we'll handle this. And I was like, okay, they're going to handle this. Next thing I hear, pop! <laughs> they shot that deer oh, right in his head. It was over with. <laughs> I was like, what? I was like, that seemed to, ag- that was aggressive. I mean, it right, probably the but, humane. Dude, humane. But, but like, yeah. Yeah, but like, geez, I wouldn't expect it. I've never seen a. I'm, 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 I'm from Mississippi, that's true, but I've never been a hunter. I've never hunted. Yeah. So I've never seen a deer with my own eyes get shot. It was startling.
1: It's creepy as F, man. I walked up to this thing before we podcasted and I was like, I just got to look at what's going on here. It's eyes are open. Like I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, am I seeing this thing still breathing? Am I seeing the stomach like gently go up and down? I was like, I don't think so. And then like, you want to back away, but you want to get closer. Uh, I got to freaking. And, and the thing is, so I'm, I live near all these schools. Like I got kids walking past our house, going to middle school Going to the high school and they got this deer next to our tree in our front yard. Like, what am I doing? How am I living right now? What is going on? Well,
0: can't you? Can't, okay, so here's here here's what I think my plan would be if I were you. Uh, you you get a couple of high school kids and you like you pay them yeah. twenty bucks to pull a dead deer twenty feet. They'll do that. So, high school kids don't care.
1: I guess they <laughs> they probably don't. I'll, uh, but so I, it's it's ten thirty Eastern here. I got about. High school lets out at about two thirty. So I got four hours to uh, to go get the cash. Stand at the end of my driveway. Wait for these wait for these these fourteen, fifteen year olds to walk by and be like, Hey, forty bucks if you guys pull this thing twenty five feet.
0: I can't wait till you get arrested for trying to recruit high school kids to pull a dead
1: deer off your property. (laughs) I'm gonna take a photo and post it to Twitter after this podcast. It's it's just it's it's Creepy as hell. I mean, I just I, I felt like I was in an episode of Twin Peaks. So anyway, we can get to to hoops here, but it is it is not common when we start the pod and there is a significant life event that has happened uh, and it psychologically damaged me. But that's that's what I'm living with right now.
0: Dude, if you don't have video by the end of this day of you pulling a dead deer through your yard, then you happen. have wasted not, this opportunity. I'm
1: not pulling a dead deer. It's not gonna it's not gonna happen. Okay, it's not. I. Uh, gosh my wife's like do we do we should we cover it and i'm like we don't even have a tarp and she's like well do you want to put one of our blankets over it i was like then we're burning the blanket like i'm not gonna keep i'm not gonna wash the blanket that i'm covering with with a dead
0: deer that's not happening what's <laughs> going on hey uh hey sweetheart um saturday night the kids are asleep let's cuddle up on the couch with our dead deer blanket and watch a movie <laughs> oh, <God>. sick <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, that's sick. Oh,
1: okay, God. anyway, um, dude, we got some good basketball to talk about. And by good, I mean DePaul, right? Is that where you want to start?
0: It is where I want to start. I want to start by doing something we've literally never done before, and that's discuss at length the DePaul Blue Demons, the undefeated DePaul Blue Demons. On Wednesday night Purdue smashed Virginia by 29, Ohio State embarrassed North Carolina by 25, and yet— By the end of the night, all anybody was doing was tweeting about DePaul. Final score, 65-60. They beat Texas Tech in overtime. And yes, I know Texas Tech had just last week lost to Iowa and Creighton. And I I wrote an entire Politex column about a dude who clearly didn't know that happened. And I also know that... Ah, uh, Texas Tech's leading scorer, Jamias Ramsey, didn't play in the game, He's Got a hamstring injury. But why focus on that when we can focus on DePaul being nine and O for the first time since the 1986-87 season? Norlander, you're enjoying the story as much as I'm enjoying the story. I am
1: so enjoying this story. Nine and O. The Texas Tech game was. One of those weirdly thrilling, awesome, bad games. You know, I was watching most of it on the on the second TV there, and it was you know it was it was bumpy for a good while there, and then it just becomes thrilling. Like it gets to overtime, Jalen uh, Coleman Lands is just going nuts, hitting these threes to keep them alive, and they actually traded some threes late there, and they did it despite Charlie Moore, the Kansas transfer, uh, not really having a good game overall. Paul Reed's been a great player this season. Um, This is an awesome story, man. Like, I don't know if it will continue, if it can continue. I think it probably can. They got Buffalo this weekend. Then they've got UIC, and then they play at Cleveland State. uh, Obviously, a very bad Cleveland State team. Then it's Northwestern at home at Wintrust, uh, where DePaul plays. So there is the possibility... There is the possibility DePaul is 12-0 and heading into Big East play at the end of the month. That would be an incredible story. Um, if it beats Buffalo on Sunday, I think it's near lock. DePaul is going to be ranked. You've got him in the top 25-1. and one. I did my power rankings, and I was just draped in, in DePaul fever. I put him at number 9. Not that I think it's the ninth best team, <laughs> but with the way that they are playing and getting the road wins against Boston College, I know not that good, but they've won at Iowa. At Boston College, at Minnesota, three true road wins. Um, I, just, I just, you know what, I just went totally overboard, and I love it. So, yeah, and DePaul fans were very—this fan base, and yes, DePaul does have a fan base. Okay, it's in, a, it's in the second, third largest city in the country. They have been starving forever. Last made the tournament, 2004— who was the coach then? Well, of course, it was Dave Lato. He just left and then returned since then. This is his second coaching tenure. So I really love this story. We get a few genuine surprises every season in this sport. No one saw DePaul 9-0 coming. I love it, man. I love it.
0: Well, what makes this different, I think, because like, listen, um, teams that were supposed to be bad are good every year. Every year it happens. To some- Ole Miss was picked last in the in the SEC last season, in the preseason, went to the NCAA tournament, spent part of the season ranked. But it didn't get, like, the buzz that DePaul gets. And the reason I think, the reason this is different is because, and I'm not sure exactly how this happened, you might know, DePaul became, like, the punchline of college basketball. Almost like Nickelback has become the punchline of music. Like, if you're going to make a music joke, you tie it to Nickelback, right? You walk, you turn on game day on Saturday morning. Uh, somebody's got a Jim Harbaugh likes Nickelback sign. Like, right? Nickelback just sort of became this thing. Now, Nickelback is, let me be clear, I'm not a fan. I don't own the albums. But, like, hugely successful band. Like, sells out arenas, and yet they become this punchline of music. Similarly, DePaul's not the worst basketball team in Division I or anything close to that. Never has been. And yet, if you were going to make a basketball joke, DePaul became the, the, the name that you you used. And so what we're watching right now, with DePaul being 9-0, and nationally relevant, with a win over, yes, a shorthanded and flawed Texas Tech team, but a Texas Tech team that played for the national championship last season and was preseason top 15 in the AP poll this season, um, what we're watching is like if Nickelback suddenly had album of the year like that's <laughs> that's what DePaul being nine and zero and and nationally hmm. relevant is. It's like if if the Nickelback in the year 2019 won a Grammy for album of the year. It's a total total plot twist, mega plot twist. And add just as
1: a, a side note, like DePaul being this was surprising. How about the fact that the only two teams still undefeated in the Big East are DePaul and the Butler Bulldogs, who are 8-0 and doing well for themselves uh, as well. And they got a big game on Saturday against Florida there. But, yeah, credit to credit to Lado because, you know what, news came out in the offseason that DePaul, which, by the way, was tangentially even connected to the FBI investigation um, because of assistance on the staff and, and connections with some recruits there, there was news that you know they were working on extending Dave Leto's contract and yeah that became a joke that became a punchline where it was like it's DePaul like it, he's so far under 500 for his career they finished above 500 last season 1917 but were again uh, among the worst teams in the Big East as usual and now it it just it seems to be paying off here and um, you know you get a player like Coleman Lands who. It's taken him four or five seasons to to seemingly click. He was, he was an okay player at Illinois, but never the player that uh, that people thought he would be. He's been good. Paul Reed grown into a nice player overall. Um, Romeo Weems is a nice freshman there. So. Uh, credit to the Blue Demons. I don't yet know if this team is going to the NCAA tournament, but I'd really loved if we could see that. I mean, I, you get these schools that can uh, that can end these droughts. And for if you're in a power conference, which DePaul is, and you should never, ever go more than 10 years without making the tournament. Now, I understand it happens, but that should really not. That should never be the case. DePaul has just been, um, it has been to college basketball now what the Clippers were to the NBA for about, Two and a half decades, and uh, while I don't think the Paul is going to turn into the modern-day Clippers or anything like that, they don't got a Kawhi on this squad. Um, they certainly can compete and be a player, and yeah, they we, we could see one of the longest. In fact, I I gotta believe that's the longest Power Conference route for the tournament uh, for any program in America.
0: They do not have a Kawhi Leonard on the DePaul roster, but they do have a Charlie Moore, averaging 15.9 points, seven assists, three rebounds, and thirty-three point one minutes per game. What a story he is. Shooting 37.8% from three point range. This dude has lived everywhere. All right. From Chicago, committed to Memphis at a high school, decommitted when Josh Pastor left for Georgia Tech, went to Cal, played one season, transferred to Kansas, set out, played last season at Kansas but just barely averaged 2.9 points and 13.1 minutes per game transferred to DePaul. And now he's looking like an all big East player. So that's a, you know, a young man from Chicago bounced around now back home and flourishing. So that's nice too.
1: It is nice. And just a quick note on, on Texas tech, um, Texas Tech five and three three straight losses here uh, you know dropped two games against Iowa and Creighton out in New Orleans during Thanksgiving um, the wins are over you know low major fodder uh, just no one of note there and and next comes uh, versus Louisville number one ranked Louisville and Louisville should be number one again obviously when they play Tuesday at the Jimmy V I will be there at the Garden for that game um, but uh, you know I don't know if you picked up on this parish or not but the the final four teams from last season Texas Tech 5-3. and three. Michigan State, 5-3. and three. Both, you know, hugely under, underachieving at this point. And Virginia, although it only has one loss, uh, lost brutally by 29 points and has absolutely no offense. And then, you've got the Auburn Tigers who are 8-0 and o and uh, they needed OT to win on Wednesday night against Furman. Um, but as we were prepping for the podcast, I knew we would talk about Tech. It just kind of popped in my mind. Uh, Auburn hasn't gotten the love, but they're the only team that that looks, you know, above expectation of what they were thought to be, and they were a preseason top twenty-five team and all that stuff. But uh, but a lot of Final Four hangovers for those programs right now.
0: No question. So shouts to DePaul started seventy-six at Ken Palm up to fiftieth now. You mentioned could be twelve and O when um, they start Big Ten play, I mean Big East play. Um, I think it's third. It's reasonable to assume they'll be thirteen and O. They'll at least be favored in every game between now and when they get Seton Hall on December 30th. Let me make sure that's right. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. They should be 13-0 and 0 heading into that Seton Hall game on December 30th. Um, it's a home game, and if they win that, I don't know if they'll be on everybody's top 25 ballot before that game, even if they're 13-0. and 0. But if they are to knock out Seton Hall and you move to 14-0, and 0, With wins over Texas Tech, Seton Hall and those road wins you referenced, then it will be, I think, impossible for anybody to keep them off of a top 25 ballot. So, anyway, interesting story uh, in the Big East. DePaul is nationally relevant. Like I mentioned earlier, Norlander also. Virginia got its brains beat in Wednesday night. So did North Carolina. We're going to get into that next. First, though, check this out. So Virginia's 13-game winning streak was snapped Wednesday night. They lost 69-40 at Purdue. Virginia missed 20 of 24 three-point attempts. It was ugly. Meantime, North Carolina took its worst loss at home under Roy Williams ever. Tar Heels lost 74-49 to Ohio State. They missed 16 of 23 three-point attempts. Armando Baycott left that game just seven minutes in with an ankle injury. Roy has subsequently said. He expects the freshman bigs going to be quote out a while. Norlander, you had I went and looked it up this morning yeah. while you were dealing with a dead deer. Yeah. You had North Carolina and Virginia finishing first and second in the ACC in the <laughs> preseason. If I allowed you to reconsider right now, would you reconsider right now?
1: <laughs> oh boy, I would reconsider, but I'll I'll, I'll dig my heels in. December sixth, long season to come here. Those offenses. They have issues here uh, now. UNC, lo- you know, we're gonna get to them in a second, but they lost Baycott, so it's not like it's Cole Anthony, absolutely nobody, but it certainly looked like that. Virginia, that was the, I mean, that was the nightmare scenario for for the Wahoos, just in terms of how they lost and what everything that went wrong. Um, it was the first regular season loss for Virginia since uh, they dropped a game against Duke uh, back in early February. Um, so you know, impressive run comes to an end there, but. Uh, there's just no denying that the offense is going to be, you know, when I did the court report earlier this week and I led with all the stuff on Virginia, had a chance to be the best defense of the modern era. um, That can still, by the way, happen. I mean, it's still comfortably the best defense in in college basketball right now. Opponents are only averaging like 43 a game, best defensive efficiency, all that, all that stuff. Um, But I did not, I had a quick line in there. I didn't address the offense. I said, I will save that for another time. Well, we can address that here right now because, um, it's just bad, Ben. Uh, they don't get to the foul line. They can't shoot threes at all. They are three forty seven in the nation from beyond the arc. Twenty four percent of their trays. And here's the thing. You're not you're eight games into your schedule and you're shooting twenty three point eight percent. Your best case scenario if you're Virginia, your best case scenario is that you get that to like thirty percent at the end of the season, and even that's not gonna be good enough. So, um, In the modern era, even if you have the best defense ever, um, Virginia fans that are hoping, like, okay, maybe we are going to have this epic defense and we can even, like, sneak back into a Final Four. If you can't hit more than a quarter of your threes, that's just not going to happen because you're going to run into teams a lot closer to the level of Purdue than the level of James Madison, a mediocre Syracuse team, an Arizona State team that might not even get to the tournament uh, overall. So... Yeah, I have my questions here. They don't have the perimeter shooters. They don't have Braxton Key. I understand that. But uh, but had they had Braxton Key on the floor, they might have lost by 22 instead of 29 against Purdue. And one more note on the game, Parrish. and take it wherever you want. Uh, uh, Purdue, uh, fifth of Kenpon, but it's just not Kenpon. Purdue ranks as a top 15 team in almost every mainstream advanced predictive metric. So uh, while it has three losses, Texas, Marquette, and Florida State, those are relatively respectable losses. The only one coming at home by four to Texas, um, that was a case where Purdue was favored, maybe looked a little bit weird going in because they're 4-3 they're and three record, but you can understand why sometimes these uh, predictive models can be reliable, uh, and certainly that's the case there right now because though the Boilermakers don't have a strong record, they look like a strong team. I don't think they're a top-10 team in America, but I definitely think that they're top-25 quality without question.
0: Real quick on Purdue because I had somebody ask me when I updated the top twenty-five and one on Thursday morning, and I didn't have Purdue in it. They're like, "Yo, yo, Purdue is exactly what you said—top five and all of these different um, computer rankings, including Ken Palm—and coming off of a twenty-nine-point win over the reigning national champions. Like, how can you not rank that team? Uh, the truth is, they're five and three with two losses to unranked teams. If I would have per- put Purdue in the top twenty-five and one." It wouldn't have been ridiculous, I mean you could I could easily justify it if you asked me to, but if I would have put Purdue in the top twenty five and one with this body of work, they would be the only team in the top twenty five and one with two losses to unranked teams. Nobody else mm. listed has that on their resume right now, so Purdue is undeniably good, but I think it's reasonable um to leave them unranked right now if you choose to leave them unranked right now um with Virginia you know just some more numbers that are disturbing you mentioned the 23.8% from three point range ranking 347th in the country um, their effective field goal percentage is 44.8 that's 299th in the country they're now 120th in offensive efficiency it is um it's bad any way you look at it and so people will often after a game goes a certain way particularly a game is lopsided in 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 a in a certain direction who, is, who does this say more about, right? We've all heard that. Who, what, 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 is, what does this say about, who, who does this say more about, this team or that team? And I think if we were to take these two games where the ACC schools got hammered on Wednesday night and ask that question, I would say that Purdue beating Virginia by 29 points, I think it says more about Virginia, about the limitations that that team is going to have, especially and undeniably on the offensive end of the court. And yet, if you ask me the same question about North Carolina, Ohio State, I think it says more about Ohio State. I think Ohio State's really, really, really good. They've now got a 24-point win over Villanova and a 25-point win over North Carolina. You can fluky shoot your way to a 20-point win over a good opponent one time, but when you're smashing everybody and beating you know, nationally ranked teams by more than 20 points – Multiple times, I don't think that's an accident. I think that says that you're you got the goods.
1: Wonderful night for the Big Ten on Wednesday. Uh, Purdue doing what it did, and yes, Ohio State just smashing North Carolina, which lost Armando Baycott. Um, but similar, like if Virginia would have lost by 22 instead of 29 with Braxton Key, then UNC loses by 18 instead of 25 if they've got Baycott on the floor there. Um, Are we going to – hey, I'm going to ask you to spoil one. Are we going to talk UNC, UVA in the final 4 and one
0: I didn't put it in the final 4 and one because I figured we would get to it right here because they do. That's another just sort of interesting thing about this. Both these teams are, at least on paper in the preseason, supposed to be national championship contenders. And yet now they're both coming off losses by more than 20 points. They're both missing key players, and they play each other on Sunday. So somebody's going to go to bed Sunday night, either Roy Williams or Tony Bennett, on a two-game losing streak, and those aren't men who usually deal with that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, and the game is obviously, you know, you, you look and you haven't even done your Christmas shopping yet and, and you got Virginia and Purdue, uh, Virginia and North Carolina playing, and you're like, well, this is weird. Well, this is a function of, of a 20-game ACC schedule, and so you've got ACC intra-league games uh, on Saturday and Sunday in college basketball, which is like, it's a fun little perk there, but yeah, it's a little weird. Uh, good on the ACC, by the way. If, if you've got to do this, this is what you absolutely do. Uh, you sprinkle in a couple of high-profile in league games before we get to the thick of the schedule. I'm not saying Duke Carolina. Uh, That feels more appropriate when that first meeting happens right around Valentine's Day, but Virginia UNC, absolutely, absolutely do you do that there, and I don't know what the over-under is going to be on this. The Ken Palm projected outcome is 61-55 Virginia. I will, you know, this isn't going to be an official picker here or whatever, but um, since we're not in the Final form One, but I I think that Virginia will win the game. Um, I I think it will, but uh, that's the game I'm looking forward to more than any other just out of curiosity. Now if Carolina loses, it's going to be 6 and 3 um and I don't I don't know if it would totally drop out of the polls if that happened, but just as a reminder like Carolina, if it loses that game, it's got to go to play at Gonzaga on December 18th still. And then we'll see him in person a few days after that in Vegas at the CBS Sports Classic against the UCLA team that, yes, UNC should win that game without a doubt. But um, the Heels could really be up against it in a major way. And Cole Anthony's been uh, been solid. I, I still like the front line there if Baycott can uh, can get back and get healthy there. But, but can I be real here, man? Like, they need more out of Leaky Black. They need more out of Leaky Thanks. Black. Okay, we sometimes you're, to talk t- camel fighting, dead deer, and Leaky Black, and we got to talk about Leaky Black here real quick. 28.6% from two-point range, only four of ten from three. He's a solid uh, power forward type, but it's time for Leaky to step up. If Carolina is going to be one of the two best teams in the ACC this season, it can't just all be Cole. Leaky, this is our plea to you: time to step up, live up to the name. We need you.
0: Time to stop, stop worrying so much about your next mixtape, and focus on basketball because you're you're not getting it done right now. Twenty-six point minute, twenty-six point nine minutes per game, four point eight points, four point five rebounds, only shooting thirty-one percent from the field. I think he needs Puff Johnson.
1: That, that's it. Puff Johnson coming next season. And when that when that team up and,
0: happens, oh, oh my God. You, it's going to be like Watch the Throne. It is. We're going to have. Leaky Le- Black and Pump Johnson come together to create Watch the Throne.
1: We're going to have those guys team up and give us our new bumper music to start the show. Um, okay, well, you did bring up Ohio State, and I do want to get to them. They are number two in my power rankings, only behind Louisville, because at this point, you own 25-point wins over Villanova and North Carolina, undefeated. You go on the road, you look that good. The defense is great. Uh, It's not just Caleb Wesson, although he has been terrific as well. Um, DJ Carton stepping up. Dwayne Washington has been strong. And Chris Holtman, uh, uh, an elite coach. Um, They've also defeated Cincinnati, by the way. But um, he just has a roster when you look at it. You wouldn't think that this team is set up to be top ten of the sport. Ohio State was in uh, Paris's preseason top twenty-five and one. It was easily in the top twenty. Top twenty of my uh, one to three fifty-three. So we expected the the Buckeyes to be like top three, top four caliber, and was turning out to be a, a good Big Ten. But they are ahead of schedule to stay the least here. And next up is Penn State at home on Saturday. Would fully expect uh, the Buckeyes to win that intra-league game. Uh, so credit to them. And, um, you know, a little bit of irony here, it was a year ago uh, when the net rankings debuted for the first time, and Ohio State, which was just okay at that point, was weirdly the number one team in the net rankings, and then that became reason for people to just, you know, mock the net way prematurely, Uh, but yet here, like, we're going to get the net rankings in about 8 to 10 days, It won't stun me if in back-to-back years the first publicly known version of the net has the Buckeyes sitting at number one in those rankings. So keep an eye on that because they got Penn State at Minnesota. And then after, I think it's right around that Minnesota game is when we'll get the net. Uh, Very, very possible that Ohio State's sitting there and uh, Holtman's done a good job. They look like, Parrish, I mean, they look like the best team in the Big Ten right now. I got to say that after what Michigan could not do against Louisville. Did you forget Mark Turgeon exists? I think Ohio State's better than Maryland right now.
0: Yeah, it's not crazy. I mean, I I I could put them in any order. I've got them. I think right now Maryland three, Ohio State four. But if you want to argue Ohio State's better, um, there's a lot of data that suggests that. Certainly, Ohio State has accomplished more in this season. The, if the question, because I had an Ohio State fan ask, oh, well, "How could you have?" It wasn't asked as much as. Yale. How could you have a Maryland ahead of us? It's just a it's a byproduct of the preseason rankings. Maryland was sixth preseason top 25 and one. Maryland is undefeated. That's how Maryland is three. It's it really is as simple as that. Now, Maryland did get a a nice win last weekend, but certainly to this point, if your point is Ohio State's been more impressive, um, I, I, I can't argue against that. And I tell you, this is the second straight year that um, Chris Holtman's just got off to an amazing start. Started twelve and one last season, and then they 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 fell apart a little bit. So you know, keep that in mind. But this season, now off to an eight and zero start, uh, but the metrics are all really really good. I, I think after they blasted Villanova, because you're right, we both had them in the top twenty five in one preseason, but it doesn't appear we had them high enough. And I texted Chris, and I was like. Yo, man. Next time, can you just tell me, like, yo, GP, you've got me, you've got me way underrated again. It's never gonna <laughs> Like, happen. you need to get me into the top ten. And he was like, ah, it's still early. And yeah. you know, he said all the things he always says. But um, he is tremendous, and he's got another really good team. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing him in person, December 21st, CBS Sports Classic, Las Vegas. The opponent will be Kentucky. And right now, according to Ken Palm, uh, Ohio State would be expected to win that game 65. 62. Uh, One last thing before we move to the final four and one, uh, circling back to North Carolina, I still have them in the top 10 of the top 25 and one. And the reason is because their two losses are to the teams I have fourth and fifth in the top 25 and one, uh, um, Ohio State and Michigan. So I don't think it's unreasonable when you've got a win over Oregon and losses to two teams in the top five for me to still have you in the top 10. But I'm also not ignorant to the, the numbers and this is a team that is trending the wrong direction. They started sixth at Ken Palm. They're 24th right now So even though they've got a big win over Oregon and the the losses are not embarrassing losses They're losses to teams I have in the top five right now um, the, the you know the, the numbers connected to them are trending in the wrong direction and now without Baycott um, It could continue to to do so so they've got some stuff to get fixed We'll see if they get it fixed. Again, Virginia, North Carolina, playing in Charlottesville on Sunday. All right. Let's get to the final four and one. And you, you want the updated? Let's make sure our records are, are matched up. Let's I've do got it. you at 9, 10, and 1. And I've got me at 8, 11, and 1.
1: That's what I got. Yes.
0: Okay. So I'm one game behind you, but this is the weekend, Norlander, it? <laughs> where I catch you once and for all and make you. It's just, I'm going to drag you like a dead deer. <laughs> okay.
1: By the way, hold on. I got it. I, so as in, we're going to make these picks. but I, I tweeted out the photo of my dead deer on Twitter. The reply, I got to read a couple of replies. I'm giving, I'm giving people shouts right now on this because, <laughs> because some of them are great. Oh my gosh. Someone says, this is a message. Take it easy on UNC on the podcast. Um. So, <laughs> Benny Eastside goes, still moves faster than Virginia. Uh, the guy who, at the handle at Zion Money Son goes. No need to brag that you own land because I said it was on my front. Yeah, I said it was on my front yard. Oh my gosh! Somebody goes. Fairfield beats an SEC team now. This I live in Fairfield County in in Connecticut. And then another one goes. God is telling you to take the under on Fairfield. Fairfield is the Stags, dear. So that's why people are doing this. Oh my gosh! And then someone else go, Anthony goes. Anthony Wyrmman goes quote Kentucky should be in your not in your top 19 sign God because I did not put the Kentucky Wildcats in my power rankings you all made me chuckle as I was doing this podcast checking the replies as Paris was talking earlier um, please don't drag me like a dead deer okay let's get to the games Paris what do you got
0: Okay, so the way the Final Four and One works is I pick uh, four games. Uh, we use point spreads if they're available. If not, we use the projected Kinpom scores to set a point spread. Then Norlander gets to pick the final game. That is one. We will pick them all against the spread. We'll keep tally, and I think we're playing for concert tickets or something. I don't even know.
1: Well, actually, we have to, we, we need to decide. the No, because the concert tickets are, and someone sent me this after we did it, so I have it in my notes. I just don't have it in front of me. The concert ticket bet was we took the DraftKings prediction over under for like 14 teams, remember? You probably don't even uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you do, I do re- remember this. Okay, you, do, you actually do remember this. Okay, so we. So that, whoever gets more of those correct, that's who has the, the winner gets to go to their concert of choice, and the loser has to buy the tickets. We actually need some sort of wager riding on the season-long stuff. So let's try and get that. Let's give ourselves a week to try and figure out what we're going to do there.
0: I got it. Winner, winner gets to keep the dead deer.
1: <laughs> the dead deer is going to be off my property by the time half these people have listened to this podcast. So that's not happening. <laughs> Winter, why why? Winner. Why, why would the winner want the dead deer? Why would the winner want Bambi? That makes no sense.
0: I live in Mississippi. People got dead deer in their houses, dude. People have dead deer on their walls.
1: I'm I'm not I'm not shipping you a dead deer. I don't even know how. I don't even think that's I don't even think that's allowable. By the way, I don't even think you can cross state lines with what's on my front yard right now.
0: Ship, ship me that dead deer head. <laughs> Rip that deer's head
1: off. You want you want me to go out get some sort of of machete. If I Give myself I double tennis elbow with the machete, getting that dead deer off, ship it to you. I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't do that.
0: If I gave you the proper tools and $500, no. would you cut that deer's head off?
1: I would cut the deer's—I would, I would define proper tools. Like, whatever you need to do it. Well, like, is it—like, it's easier with a chainsaw. Now, that's going to get messy. Like, do I have facial pre- – do I have – a? do I have – I, I don't even know. You know the thing that the, when, you're, when you're working in iron and you, you put it over your face and there's just like this small – there's this small little, uh, you know, eye glass protector thing. You know what sure. I'm talking about? Like, if, if I can have one yeah. of those things – I have no idea what that's called. If I have one of those things and you're giving me a chainsaw and I've got like a whole outfit – uh, 750. But if you're telling me that I need to that I need to do this with some sort of uh, machete or any kind of proper animal tool,
0: I I think I'm going to need two grand minimum. I could not. I don't think I could cut the. De- I don't think I could bring myself to do it. A de- an already dead animal. Yeah, or anything. I don't think I could cut anybody's head off <laughs> or anything. I don't know how people do that.
1: Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. These, these, uh, yeah, uh, man, we're going to a dark place right
0: now. <laughs> by by the way, we're talking about concerts. I bring this up, um, only because I know we have, a by definition, we have a lot of college basketball fans, um, who listen to this and college basketball is very big in the Durham, North Carolina area. I went to see Dave Chappelle last night mm. and he was awesome. Tremendous. It's all new material. He's got, like, it feels like if he needed, if he wanted to record a new Netflix special tonight, he could do it. And I say that because he's going to be in Durham, North Carolina um, tomorrow night. So Saturday night, Sunday night, and then Tuesday night. He's got three shows in Durham, North Carolina. So if you are a basketball fan listening to this and a Dave Chappelle fan, and somebody who's on the fence about whether you want to go or not, I'm telling you, you will not be disappointed. He was uh, tremendous. So let's get to the final four and one. First game, Saturday, noon Eastern, number 12 Arizona at number 18 Baylor. Ken Palm has a projected score that would lead to a line of Baylor minus four. Norlander, what you want?
1: First of all, this is a free game. Because the Baylor football team is, t- is kicking off at noon Eastern, I believe it's noon Eastern, uh, against Oklahoma for the Big 12 Championship, um, this game is tipping off, I guess, simultaneously or an hour beforehand. And being that it is Texas and it is Baylor, um, the tickets are free for this, which is uh, the best bargain in sports this weekend. Um, I'm actually interested to see how many people show up for this. Now, you've had Josh Green and Nico Mannion... Uh, I think they're going to play, but they haven't been practicing all week. Um, So keep that in mind, Parrish, as you go to pick this game. But uh, I reached out to Scott Drew when I learned that this is a free admission. And he's like, if you can do something good for somebody, why not do something great for somebody? And uh, yeah, this game is on the house for for Baylor Athletics. I think that's just a really cool thing overall. So uh, that being said, I'm going to take Baylor here uh, to win and, and to cover because maybe we not, might not get Arizona at full strength. I just don't know what to expect there. They're going to have the home venue because it's free. Maybe you get a little bit of a stronger home court advantage. Baylor actually doesn't have a usually a typically great home crowd until uh, early February, just due to the nature of the program. It doesn't doesn't draw as much fan support. So, I will go with the Bears. Uh, Paris, do I have this correct? This is one of only two ranked matchups this weekend. It would be this, and then obviously UNC-UVA. Do you know if there are if there are others? I assume they're, we're picking them, but those are the only two that spring to mind.
0: There's at least two more.
1: Okay, then I just don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Okay, I'm taking Bailey.
0: <laughs> um, real quick on Arizona, uh, Zeke Nagy. You know, the, Arizona enrolled a, another great recruiting class, two five-stars. One of them was Nico Mannion. The other one was Josh Green. And yet Zeke Naji is the leading scorer, leading rebounder, leading the team in blocks and field goal percentage right now four-star prospect ranked 40th in the class of 2019 and i, n- I know nico's been amazing but mm-hmm. again if you go and just who's leading the team in points rebounds blocks field goal percentage that's zignaji he's been uh terrific i'm gonna take arizona plus the four just because i think either team can win this game so if you're gonna give me four points i'll take them but um i, I if i had to pick just a winner i picked baylor to win the game but i'm gonna take the plus four because i don't think it's crazy if for Arizona to go in um, in Waco. All right, next game, Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern. Here's one of the games between ranked teams. Number 20, Colorado, mm. at number two, Kansas. And Ken Palm would have a projected point spread of Kansas minus eight.
1: All right, Colorado off to its best start in almost 40 years. Um, they are 7-0. and This is set to be... Uh, probably the best Colorado team in at least 25 seasons. Two guys you should know about if you don't already: Tyler Bay. He's my Bay. Uh, very solid junior power forward. I can't believe I just said that. Uh, McKinley Wright the fourth is the other uh, guy to know. He's a point guard. I think that Tyler Bay and McKinley Wright the fourth will will look up four years from now, and they're both going to be on NBA rosters here. Um, No doubt Tad Boyle would love if he could keep both these guys for another season. So a year from now, Colorado could be potentially, you know, like a top 10 team in America, but we'll see if that can happen. This is a tough task. It's a tall task. I did put the buffs in my power rankings, uh, ranked 16th, uh, which published Thursday. You can read that on the CBS Sports app. Eight point spread. I think Kansas is really solid here, but I'll take Colorado to cover in this spot uh, I, I like what I've seen from Kansas I think that, you know even what they've done with Maui they get they get the benefit that say a Michigan State didn't they went to Maui they haven't had to play in a week and a half here which is good for the which is good for the body clock so uh, I think Kansas will win but you're going to give me eight I'm going to take Colorado to cover
0: you mentioned McKinley Wright and Tyler Bay when we did our top 101 players in the preseason and we McKinley Wright was number 16, Tyler Bay number 59. Tyler Bay right now leading the team in points and rebounds, 14 points, 11.9 rebounds, shooting 45.5% from 3. He's right now Tyler Bay number 6 in the Kimpom player of the year ratings. So he is um having a tremendous start uh, to this season. Um I, I will we had one we, we did our candid coaches, who's going to win the national championship? We did have one coach say Colorado you are correct and, about that I just remembered that that happened um because like it, we, we had we, you know, we had more than a hundred votes yeah. a lot of them as you can say one person said Colorado <laughs> if you're listening you know who you are yeah and um and, and right so far so good they they're, they're, they look good and so Kansas minus eight I'm gonna take Colorado plus eight I just think it's too many points I think Kansas wins the game like I don't believe I'll ever um, bring myself to, to pick against Kansas at home Almost against anybody, but so I'm not doing that here, but if you're going to give me uh, an undefeated Colorado team and eight points, I'm going to take the undefeated team in, uh, in the eight points. On Sunday, 4 p.m. Eastern, number 19 Dayton against St. Mary's in Phoenix, Kim Palm has a projected point spread of Dayton minus two. Beautiful weekend of basketball here. A lot of just uh,
1: interesting games. And the reason why we're getting this is not just the 20-game league schedules, but... As many schools prepare the following week to go into finals, this is the one weekend where you squeeze in when you're working in April, May, June, to try and uh, assemble the non-conference schedule, and you're trying to get another uh, quality game. This is the weekend where a lot of schools try and do it. Credit to St. Mary's. We've ragged on, ragged on them in the past uh, for not you know, scheduling uh, scheduling up here. Now, this is this game is taking place at, uh, at the famous Talking Stick Resort Arena um, uh, as part of the... Uh, The Hall of Fame deal. Uh, This was the same spot, same weekend last season where actually Gonzaga, Tennessee played what I thought was a top five game of the regular season. We'll see if we can get some more of that juju there. Um, I put Dayton in my power rankings. I did not put St. Mary's. I will go with Dayton here. I still am a believer. uh, Very excited to watch this game, especially since my Bears. My Bears got a win against the Cowboys Thursday night. My NFL Sunday, it's freed up here. I'm excited to kind of dig into all the hoops on Saturday and Sunday. I will go with Dayton to win, and that would mean winning by at least two. I like them here, but these are both quality teams, and you should expect, and yeah, I use the word expect. At this point, I think that's fair. Expect that both of these teams will be in the NCAA tournament.
0: St. Mary's unranked right now. But 9-1 on the season. They got a nice win over Wisconsin, a nice win over Utah State. The problem is they lost early to Winthrop somehow, 61-59 at home. And that's what's knocked them out of the rankings. It knocked them off people's radar but they're two points from being ten and zero right now with wins over Wisconsin and Utah State. They would be ranked if not for a two point loss at home to Winthrop. So that's a that's a good team. But uh, I'm in love with Obi Toppin. So like, plus I'm the I don't know if you know who you're talking to here, but I'm the MC okay. of the Atlantic 10 Media Day. There's no scenario okay. I'm picking against Obi Toppin and Dayton as the MC of the um, uh, Atlantic 10 Media Day. So I'm taking Dayton minus two in my fourth game Sunday, seven p.m. Eastern. Number nine Gonzaga. At number 22, Washington. Gonzaga, according to Ken Palm, is a projected two-point favorite.
1: I'm going to take Washington. I'm going to take Washington as the home dog to win straight up. Give me Mike Copkin. Oh, what? Yeah, that's right. You heard me. Yeah, give me the the dogs here. Um, Gonzaga has owned this rivalry. I love that the schools still play each other. Uh, This is a geographically sensible rivalry that has continued and should continue in perpetuity. Um, but I feel like the public would be on Gonzaga in this spot. Um, I'll I'll ride I'll ride Washington here. It's been good. The only loss to Tennessee so far. Uh, best win is against Baylor. Not much else there, so this is gonna be an interesting test for him. But I'm gonna I'm gonna lean. I think Nasia Carter's been terrific for washington isaiah stewart's rightfully got a lot of pub he's been a top 10 freshman jaden mcdaniel's not quite as much maybe he has a big game give me you dub
0: uh, i'll go gonzaga just to be different but i do not like picking against ranked teams at home particularly then just, in take, rivalry. then just
1: take washington like you don't have to take gonzaga to be different i want you to take what's in your heart that thing that i know is inside of your chest because you're a caring man My? you're a loving man
0: what What's inside of my heart is wanting to drag you like a dead deer. And I can't do that if we match on every game. So I'm going Gonzaga because I want to – my goal here is – is is my goal here is to drag you like a dead deer. So I'm taking the Zags minus the two. I will echo what you said. Ooh, this game, in-state rivalry, love it. I wish every, every state that has schools that have an opportunity to do this, I wish they – and it's sensible. I wish they would do this. You know, uh the Memphis, Tennessee game is coming up next weekend and Rick Barnes has already said, because he hates Penny Hardaway, <laughs> he's already said <laughs> that, that this is probably the end of it. Right. Like literally a year ago, Rick Barnes was publicly saying how much Tennessee and Memphis needed to play each other and it benefits both schools and it's great for the state and it's something that should never not happen and will always happen. And now he's like, I don't know, I'm done with it. Like, (laughs) he just can't stand. So I don't know if uh, the series will really end. But Rick is talking about ending it, which would be unfortunate because those games matter to the fans. Um, You know, if you if you're if you live in the state of Washington, you and you're a Gonzaga fan, odds are somebody in your family or somebody you work with, somebody you live near is a Washington fan. You have those connections, and vice versa. If you're a Washington fan, odds are you know somebody, married to somebody, cousins with somebody who's a Gonzaga fan, so you have that connection. In the state of Tennessee, if you're a Memphis fan, you've got friends or relatives who are Tennessee fans. If you're a Tennessee fan, you got friends or relatives who are Memphis fans. So those games are fun. And so I give... Uh, Mike and Mark a tremendous amount of credit for for making sure this game happens because games like this should happen Isaiah Stewart and Jay McDaniels um, as you pointed out the two five-star freshmen at Washington They're combining right now to average 31.5 points and 12.6 rebounds per game So um, they have mostly Isaiah Stewart more than McDaniels, but both to certain degrees have lived up to the hype and on the other side Gonzaga uh, on track right now to have a top five offense in terms of offensive efficiency for the fourth time in an eight-year span. So um, that that's a tremendous way to spend Sunday night. I know most people will be watching Sunday night football, um, and I probably will have it on a TV as well. But uh, absolutely, I'll be in front of the television for that one. And this might be a scenario where we wait a little later on Sunday to record. Mm-hmm than we otherwise would, so we can wait till that Gonzaga-Washington game goes final.
1: I'm definitely good and down and game to do that. Okay, so before I get to my game, which is a Saturday game, just a heads up to the listeners, uh, many of you of whom will get to this in advance of Friday night. We're getting to that point in the season, almost there, where Friday is is, is, is the throwaway night of the, of the schedule for college basketball, but that's not the case on this particular Friday, so we're not going to pick these games, but I just want to let you know. 7 o'clock, Duke, a little bit slippery at Virginia Tech, see what they can do there. Iowa plays at Michigan in a 630 tip. Just want to see how Michigan responds from that. And Iowa's been pretty good, so I want to see what we can do introduct Big Ten there. Providence, I have not been more wrong about any team in college basketball than the Providence Friars. They play one of the most heated rivalry games on that note, what GP was talking about. PC at URI, I feel like this game is almost always every single year on a Friday night, and it's always a great watch because it's on-campus. Uh, they, they flip it every year, and there's really no reason for those teams not to play each other. URI's got a shot, maybe, sneaking up being the Dark Horse team to come out of the A-10 and get a bid there. Keep an eye on that. And then Stephen Friggin-Austin plays at Alabama at 8 o'clock there Um you know, they got a long way to go, but if, if if Stephen F. Austin could pull that off and then was able to be a dominant team in the Southland, it could have a shot. Could. Gotta get gotta get there. Don't get me wrong here, but they gotta win the game. Could be one of those mid major teams that you know, develops a legitimate uh, resume. But they got to win the game. This is the last power conference team that Stephen F. Austin plays this season. You have to beat Alabama if you want to be one of those uh, potential uh, bubble teams in an unusual situation. So those are just some Friday games to watch. Now my, my pick, my and one to watch, is an undefeated team playing at home. Noon on Saturday. Game is at Fox. Butler is hosting Florida. As I mentioned before, Butler 8-0. They've been, they've been really strong here. Wins over Minnesota, Missouri, Stanford, Mississippi. Those aren't world beaters, but they're one of the few teams in college basketball that has four victories from teams against in power conferences there. I've got Butler fifth in my power rankings. They play Florida. If they get to 9-0. and That'll be one of their best starts ever. The past two times Butler has started 8-0 have been good seasons. Chris Holtman, a few years back, got the Bulldogs to the Sweet 16 when they started 8-0. The most other recent time that happened, Butler with an 8-0 start, guy named Brad Stevens wound up losing to Duke in the title game. That same season they started 8-0. They went all the way to the national championship in the 29 2010 season. So we have Butler favored by six points per Ken Palm against the Florida Gators. GP, who are you going to take? 8-0 F- Butler at home or 6-2 and Florida?
0: I think 8-0 Butler improves to 9-0 Butler. I'm not going to pick against them inside Hinkle, but if you're going to give me six points in a preseason top 10 team, With multiple pros, uh, I'll take those six points, sure.
1: Yep. We are on the same page here. Six points is a lot. Florida will try and keep the game low scoring. Uh, if you told me it was four, I might go Butler here. But we are both going to take the Gators to cover the six there. So to recap, Arizona, Baylor, we disagree. I've got the Bears. Paris has the Wildcats. We agree. Colorado will cover the eight at Kansas. We agree. Dayton will cover the two against St. Mary's. We disagree on Gonzaga, Washington. I'm going to take the dogs. He's going to take. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to take one kind of dog. He's going to take another kind of dog. I've got Huskies. He's got Zags. And then we both think that Florida will cover the six there loving it it is a fantastic week of co- weekend of college tubes people so uh hopefully you can make the time to uh to get there say push you know what push off the christmas shopping get it done go go to amazon wherever this is not what you want to do at procrastinate i highly encourage it and uh, yeah that's all i got man i got to go back and figure out what i'm gonna do with this animal that's on my front yard right now
0: You have to get a video of you dragging a dead deer. How would you? How do you? If you had, if somebody said Norlander, if you don't get this dead deer out of your yard in the next ten minutes, um, you're going to go to jail.
1: Well, I I don't want to go to jail, so it's it's one
0: versus another. How how would you do it? Would you drag it by the head or grab its feet? I gotta go hind legs, man.
1: I gotta I gotta get low. I gotta get I gotta get low. I'm actually standing up. I gotta get low like this. Get down couple of gloves on i got some heavy-duty gloves and you just pull i just don't know how heavy that thing's gonna be man i can't be t- throwing my back on i'm also hoping that i can get highway control to to get out here i'm not i don't even live off a highway but i guess that's what they call it but yeah that's uh that's my situation i just don't know what happened man like did it get hit by a car and it was kind of like woozy and was just it, it just made it a couple more feet or did it was it just like this is where i want
0: to die this is where sometimes, it's gonna happen sometimes things just expire you know sometimes things just say you know what I'm tired. It's time to lay down and die. I'm ready for this. Okay. <laughs> I say that to myself every day. Okay. I, I, I say every day at some okay. point, I say, I'm tired. I just want to lay down and die like that deer. But I don't actually do it. You know, I, 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 I go rank not... basketball team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, then, and then I wake up tomorrow and do the same thing oh, over and over again. Man. All right, over bud. Again. Talk to you late Sunday over night. Again. Talk to you on Sunday night. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to, Shouts to South Carolina. Shouts to Terry MF and He's a legend. Shouts to Larnell. Please go subscribe. I own college basketball Podcast via Apple Podcasts. Rate it favorably. Five stars. Nice comments. We're going to take one of the comments. Read it on Sunday. So you might get a shout out just like Larnell. So go do that. And we will talk to you again on Sunday night after Gonzaga, Washington. Till then, take care.